Having a baby is a joyous time for most people, but it can also be a stressful time. Between choosing an obstetrician, knowing when to start prenatal vitamins, and which labor option is best. Joining me today to help answer these questions and more is Dr. Stephen Dabrow. He's an OBGYN with Summa Health. This is Healthy Vitals, a podcast from Summa Health. I'm Scott Webb. Doctor, thanks so much for your time today. We're going to take women through finding an obstetrician, what they can do before they get pregnant, what they can do during pregnancy, the different types of labor options that they have. Before we get rolling here, though, what are some things that women should ask when they're looking for an obstetrician? I think, you know, one of the biggest things that uh, women should consider, and uh, usually we kind of overlook it, is the demeanor of the physician. Basically, uh, somebody who literally has the same sort of, not just a value system, but same sort of disposition as they do. It's common that they ask about the education and the training and stuff like that. But they need to find out, uh, basically, the mannerisms, the disposition of that physician, because if they don't jive with that physician, obviously, it's going to adversely affect their whole pregnancy and the whole reaction with them. So one of the things that I do recommend is that they should take time to request an interview with the prospective physician. I mean, physicians will do this. They will actually say, yes, you can come in and you can have 30 minutes in which you can talk with me. And that way they can get a feel for the physician. They can get a feel for the office staff and the office environment. Because sometimes, you know, it's not just the physician. Sometimes dealing with the office, which they will interact with greatly, can really affect how they feel about that physician. So one of the things I greatly recommend is in choosing a physician, obviously, they will hear from their friends, and um, you can talk to the nurses at the hospital about different physicians. You can look up their education and training. Once that's accomplished, it'll probably be a good idea to go ahead and schedule a, an interview with that physicians, and physicians will do this just to get a whole sense of that person's disposition, the office environment, and the office staff. Yeah, that's a great suggestion, being a dad myself and having been through this process a couple of times. You know, it's a very personal relationship between a woman, between a couple, and the obstetrician, and the staff. And I want to have you uh, take women through the preconception checklist, if you will. In other words, what should women do before becoming pregnant? I think you have to consider that pregnancy is literally like if you were going to run a, a, a marathon race or say a 10K and you wouldn't do that without any preparation or without any training and certainly without an, uh, having a coach. So one of the things that women could make sure and look for is try to get a, a status of their of their health concerns. I mean, where do they stand in terms of, you know, their just general medical conditions? diabetes, high blood pressure, thyroid problems, different things like that. They need to get those things under control. And certainly things like weight, diet, and exercise they can look at. But they need to optimize those things. So you want to get your chronic medical conditions if you have those under control by actually, you know, talking to your family doctor, your OBGYN. And certainly once we stabilize those, then obviously you start to look for optimal weight and diet and exercise regimens. And I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, it sounds like it. And I'm assuming you're uh, probably a, a fan, if you will, or a proponent anyway, of prenatal vitamins, which is something women can do before they become pregnant, right? 
Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely uh, prenatal vitamins and certainly folic acid and taking at least folic acid in their prenatal vitamins, at least four milligrams of folic acid should be helpful. And uh, it's not just about taking the vitamins, obviously, it's going to optimize the health. So I really want to stress that we think sometimes you can just take the vitamins, but you really have to take stock of just their medical conditions because that needs to be optimized because that will render them high risk as a quickly and that a pregnancy can really go downhill fast if so. Yeah, so vitamins are good, but the difference between a, a healthy outcome and an unhealthy outcome is going to be starting from a medical state that is optimal. Yeah, definitely. Overall health, mental, physical, otherwise. Do you have any tips for partners, you know, for dads-to-be, let's say, anything that they can do preconception or during pregnancy to both help themselves and help the moms-to-be? It's a good question about dads. I mean, usually, you know, it's dads just trying to stay out of the picture. But in terms of uh, preconception, what they can do is because of, uh, obviously, in order to become pregnant, because the uh, testes lie out of the body, it has to be at a lower temperature. So we ask them to wear a loose-fitting underwear, that sort of thing, to optimize the sperm quality and amount. Also, they themselves could try to maintain good physical health themselves because not only that, obviously, it's going to help achieve pregnancy, but going forward, once you know their partner become pregnant, you might find an emotional state in which mom's actually emotional state varies and vacillates. And the partner should obviously be not only prepared for that, but in a physical and mental state to to really support mom during the pregnancy. And I think that's the biggest they can do is support because sometimes partners, they get a little bit left out when the mom gets pregnant. And then they start to create some problems during the pregnancy because they feel like they're being left out. So one thing they can actually really really focus on is focusing on supporting mom emotionally and and, uh, mentally and it will be tremendously helpful throughout a pregnancy instead of just trying to focus on themselves as they get left out. So let's talk about the actual pregnancy and things that women can do during pregnancy to increase their chances of having a healthy baby. Well, one of the first things you can do is obviously is their diet. You know, sometimes you have certain cravings during pregnancy and women, they can overeat and they can increase their weight. A lot of unnatural weight gain can lead to uh, elevations in the blood pressure and obviously lead to difficult deliveries. So healthy uh, diet is one of the first things they can do. And secondly is exercise. Obviously, I don't expect them to do things that they were not doing before pregnancy, but they're supposed to actually keep themselves in physical shape because you have to remember that pregnancy is a stressor to life. It's a stress test on the system. So we ask them to go for walks. I mean, if you, you don't have to be a totally active person. We don't certainly want you doing anything high impact, but go for walks and actually maintain some physical activity and watch that diet. Certainly at this point in time, we certainly really wanted them taking their prenatal vitamins because that folic acid could prevent some neural tube defects and different things, birth defects that might occur. So it's totally essential, especially in the first trimester, to do that. And to, but again, like what we talk with dads, it's important for mom to actually maintain their psyche because, you know, just having a mental stress and emotional stress in a relationship, obviously, we can't really overstate how much that affects the pregnancy. And we find that sometimes, you know, this can lead to spontaneous miscarriages early in the pregnancy just due to stress. So lowering stress, moderate exercise, and a healthy diet is probably the big things they can be doing. And so, Doctor, when we talk about labor specifically, what are some of the different options that are available during labor? 
there's really four main areas in which I think women should look at when they are going to labor. And it's basically a support person, having a support person, the labor environment itself, laboring positions, and pain relief, and obviously now choices during and after delivery. So with that in mind, you know, having support in labor obviously it certainly increases the chances of a healthy delivery and actually shortens the time the mom spends in labor. Some women might actually choose to have a specialized person that is called a doula, which is specially trained to provide that emotional and physical support. But that's not necessary all the time. Just having someone there, and it could be obviously the uh, partner or it could be a parent or even a friend. Um, the labor environment uh, is important also, and uh, moms-to-be should know that they can request like few interruptions as possible. You know, the nurses and doctors coming in a quiet environment. They can actually have clear liquids and ice strips that they can eat, and in some cases, uh, some physicians do allow their patients to actually eat solid food to keep up their energy level during labor. And they can ask to limit examinations or decrease the amount of fetal monitoring that we do. Another thing is the uh, laboring positions itself, and they can request changes in their positions. You know, you can use a birthing ball. They can actually walk up and down the hallway. It's amazing how that walking, and especially with their partner, up and down the hallway can actually shorten that time in labor. And if they want, they can at times sit in a rocking chair. Pain relief is another important area, and most patients want to, quote-unquote, go natural, but natural may not be the best option for everyone. So I try to tell uh, moms to be that there's no awards being given for patients who do, in fact, go naturally. There's no extra award for you. So if you have breathing techniques and concentration techniques that are not working, certainly we have narcotics that we can put in the IV, and they usually work for a little while, and then you can also request getting an epidural. But its most important thing is for them not to feel like they're being defeated if you have to ask for an epidural because I try to explain to them that if this were, say, a gallbladder surgery, a laparoscopic uh, cholecystectomy, which is a gallbladder surgery, which is done through you know, a laparoscope, you have fewer incision, a shorter surgery, and no one would conceive of not giving that patient any sort of anesthesia. So I try to relate that to them, and they seem to kind of come around to realize that it's okay. But it's okay, too, if they don't want anything. And some patients are quite comfortable with just basically, as I said, concentration techniques and breathing techniques. Some of the choices, though, during labor, they can actually choose to, like, labor down when they actually get to complete, okay? They can use, like, a mirror to see the baby to help them focus a little bit better, use mineral oil or lubricating oil in the perineum. They can choose to touch the baby's head or even have their partner or themselves deliver the baby. And one of the things, though, that I see often enough is that the moms want immediate skin-to-skin and early breastfeeding. And that bonding that happens right away, that seems to really increase not just the bond between mom and the baby, but especially if the partner's around, that seems to just bond that family right after delivery. Choices after delivery, they can have requests maybe be present when the baby is being examined. They can request when to have the baby's first bath. Even dad can be involved after delivery. Definitely, and I definitely was with my kids. As we get close to wrapping up here, what's the difference between a low-risk and a high-risk birth? Well, the difference between the, a low-risk and a high-risk birth primarily has to do with any pre-existing health conditions for mom. 
and uh, conditions for um, both mom and baby that may arise during the pregnancy. So some examples of some conditions, and we've touched on them earlier, like you might have conditions of diabetes or high blood pressure that might adversely affect the pregnancy, and that certainly will render moms high risk. Problems with the pregnancy itself, sometimes you might have positions with the placenta that might be low-lying. The baby itself might have low birth weight problems, or they may see something on ultrasound that they may want to investigate further. But it's important for mom to know that whether their pregnancy is low or high risk kind of depends on their specific situations. And it's kind of in a collaboration with their physician what the necessary precautions they need to do and whether they should be delivering at what we call a level one hospitals, which just doesn't have the advanced neonatal care as level three hospitals. But that's kind of an individualized decision. Yeah, it sounds like it. This has been a great conversation today, Doctor. As we wrap up, what are your takeaways for women, whether it's choosing an obstetrician, preconception, during pregnancy, labor options? What are your takeaways? Well, believe it or not, I think the, the biggest thing that I want pregnant women to know is that pregnancy is a, a state of health, just an alteration in a state of health. It's not an aberration, which is a disease state. So being a state of health, what they have to know is that Usually, it involves a partnership and a coach in a state of health, okay? So the things that it's happening to them, you know, sometimes they feel like it's really unnatural and you have to kind of bring them around to remind them that this is a healthy state, this is normal, this is what your body is designed to do. And in partnership with your obstetrician or midwife, I mean, you could have a healthy and safe outcome. Yeah, that's great. As you say, uh, this is healthy, this is normal, and there's, uh, you know, individualized care and so much support available to have healthy moms, healthy dads, healthy babies. So, uh, doctor, thanks so much for your time today. You stay well. You too. Thank you very much. For more information, visit sumahealth.org slash maternity. And if you found this podcast helpful and informative, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check out the entire podcast library for additional topics of interest. This is Healthy Vitals, a podcast from Suma Health. I'm Scott Webb. Stay well, and we'll talk again next time.